Hello and welcome to I Made You a Mixtape, a podcast by Mixmag and Blackbird Productions. I am Joanna Merkins. And I am Tayo Omishore. I am the artistic director. I'm the lead editor over here at Mixmag. Mixmag is a multimedia magazine that uplifts and supports BIPOC and multicultural voices and creatives. Um, check us out at mixedmag.co. We have a variety of topics from politics, music, art, poetry, prose, health, sex, wellness, all the things that we consume in our lives is there for you. Today, we are joined with the incredible Muriel. Muriel is a Belgian-born Congolese-American who grew up on the sounds of Congolese gospel, rumba, and opera mixed with early 2000s R&B and pop. Paired with the smell of frying plantains, these contrasting soundscapes served as infinite inspiration, mixing vocal layering techniques of girl groups, ambient electronic elements, and heartbeat-like percussion. She creates an experience all in a pop-sensible context. Lace in her maman's gold, fresh pressed tips, and frosted lip gloss, Muriel is exactly what she looks like. Your favorite fearless black girl making damn good pop music. Thank you, Muriel, for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So today our topic is boss bitch anthems, specifically highlighting black women in pop music. You know, pop music shapes us. It has been a part of our lives since, I mean, before we can even remember. There's been a song that's been playing in the back of our heads. And as most things, Black women have been leading that. And here today, well, we will be talking and discussing all of the Black women, or not all of them, but a select few that have really shaped our lives and have shaped music while really showing us what it means to be a boss bitch, what it means to claim your yourself and your sense of self and what it means to be a strong black woman. And we're going to start out with the 60s and I'm going to hand hand the baton off to Tayo. Would you like to tell us what your selection or who your selection is for 1960s? Of course. I don't think there's a better place for us to start with pop music in general, but of course, specifically with the way that really since American pop culture media has been a concept that Black women have sort of pushed the culture forward with the undeniably great and almost historical at this point, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, when you when you think about it, there's not a lot of, I don't think there's that many names that she sounds like her genre. It's almost like she invented soul. And of course she didn't, but there's nobody, there's no other benchmark leader that does it better like it's either there, nobody's gonna sound better than aretha if, if she's if she covers, covers your song she in my opinion when i think about the history of pop music she sort of starts that trend of being able to take soul music and bring it to the top of the chart so if you guys don't know like aretha franklin was born in 1942 she was an american singer songwriter and actress but most importantly she was just a church kid she was singing gospel at the new beth bethel Baptist choir in Detroit, where her father, Pastor Franklin, was a minister. But then at 18, she decided to basically like lead a secular life uh, and and have a, a pop music career as a recording artist for Columbia Records. From there, at the age of 18, honestly, she she took off with hit songs such as I Never Loved a Man, Respect, of course. You honestly could go completely on. But at the end of the day, what almost all of her hits have in common is 
Aretha's almost savant-like ability to cover a song and make it her own. Like, Joanna and Muriel, you guys both have favorite uh, Aretha Franklin covers? I do. What's yours, Muriel? What, what? Like, I got I to gotta hear them. Uh, covers? I mean, I have favorite Aretha Franklin songs just in general. I feel like, to your point, I always say, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say this, but like, nobody can sing the way that Aretha sang. And and I've been talking to my friends about this recently a lot because I feel like, you know, when you think of like the trajectory and the legacy and like her lineage, you know, I, I think about someone like a Jasmine Sullivan, even not even not to take it out of the 60s. I know we're talking about the 60s, but I feel like so rarely do we hear these voices of like people who grew up in church. And I feel like there's just a difference in the way that these people sing and I feel like it's so like faith-based it's like I'm gonna jump here do this run flip over this way I don't know where I'm going I don't know where I'm landing but I know I'm gonna land because God's gonna catch me and I feel like that's a different level of like vocals like that's just like you don't get that anywhere else and I feel like Aretha Franklin is like just one uh, just a great example of that as well as like the Clark sisters and all of that like but yeah definitely like queen of soul like um, favorite song oh my god I just started talking about her voice <laughs> I'm like Aretha <laughs> that's how powerful she is okay say a little prayer I feel like is that's like, what I was gonna say yeah. that's exactly that's what I was going to say I know I feel like I don't want to be cliche I don't want to be cliche but it's like for a reason right like you got say your reasons I feel like I just like gushed over her voice but like it's just such a beautiful song. No, it's it's an it's an incre- it's an incredibly powerful song. It's it really is one of those songs where and I know correct me if I'm wrong, I know that that is a cover, isn't it, right? I think Is it? Okay, see, now you're teaching say, me. I, right, I I always forget and that's that's also like that's the reason why I picked her to start out because she was one of those rare artists. And you know, I I'm trying to think of whoever who who else kind of kind of had it like this in the, back in the old days i think of maybe like a dolly parton but but this uh, maybe a carol king the the ability to like take over a song to the point where you're like oh i forgot someone else wrote this or i forgot this was not your original song because you imbued it with so much uh soul and and spirit and that's what that sort of that is a boss bitch right like that that sort of complete agency and autonomy over over her skill is is why she ended up being being so successful and not only like with song songs like that she recorded over a hundred charted singles on billboard uh 77 hot 100 entries hella top 10 pop singles and this is back when they i'm pretty sure they still had um black music as like a designation so she could have gone there and they said well i mean it's aretha though so it's regular pop, pop. exactly exactly so to, going yeah. back to i say a little prayer um that's actually a song that i i want to share because i feel like people it is ta- it is her most successful and most uh, renowned song, but there's there's got to be something to said for when your best is the best. <laughs> I don't know how to say that more more uh, elegantly, but when like you just when you try to put somebody on Aretha Franklin and you're just like, what's the best possible song I can listen to her? It, it, it's the number one song, you know. It's it's the number one song. So I wanna I want us to all relive just a couple of uh, seconds of that today. And I wake up before I pull on my makeup. makeup. I say a little prayer for you. And while I'm combing my hair now and wondering what I 
I think there's also something to be said about the fact that like if we're talking about black women in the 1960s we have to look at everything that's happening in America in the 1960s and the fact that like a black woman was really able to take on that commercial success and really in a in an and it's awful that that has to be done like make a white America so happy and comfortable with her voice is something to be said because the fact that that literally wasn't even possible or wasn't even something that people were really discussing is crazy. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's what my brain is, but like, I think any black woman's commercial success on that level and to be able to bring the power of black church and religion and love and gospel to a white audience is so powerful within itself in an American sense. Cause we I was just going to just piggyback off of your point. Like it's not even just bringing that to a white audience. Cause I feel like that makes it like that puts the white lens on it even more. I feel like it's just bringing it to the mainstream. It's just proving that like, no matter what, like this, this is so powerful that it should be the focal point right now, no matter who's looking at it, you know, especially because a lot of the pop music in the sixties was black music that was being appropriated by white people. You know, like if you think about the fact that all like a lot of the songs that the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were singing were were songs written by black people, performed by black people. So for it to for a song or for a star to be the person who's actually singing it, I think is really is really something because it wasn't that popular. It wasn't it was not it was so taboo. Right. Well, what, what do you guys think of sort of like if we look at it, if we continue to look at it more? Uh, from an inter- intersectional standpoint about and what's crazy is that i guess this this is also the beginning of a trend that we'll see for all the other amazing women we're going to talk about that they were to be mainstream is not to be is not necessarily to be wholly accepted by white people but like the, it takes some sort of white acceptance in order to be a part of mainstream and i'm just I, i'm just thinking back to 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 uh a night in miami the the amazon prime uh, original movie where i think about how wonderful movie how whiteness can pick and choose like they'll basically as someone who took a someone who had to take a course on on all all of pop music literally the cycle is black people did something white people said i'm gonna do that but like but only clap on the one and three and then we'll make money off of it but because like that's just wholly hypocritical there always will be they will choose one one person from the oppressed class to sort of like be that beacon and say like oh yeah no if aretha could do it y'all could do it and i wonder like how how much that sucks because you take like the greater like she was the greatest singer and she was black and a woman and powerful but then also in the 60s when black women had no power so what is it like to be like oh no we'll give you power but you know the rest of y'all aretha had to carry that Mm. on her back what do you think i mean honestly this just it reminds me of how literally black women carry the the burden or carry the weight of so many other things um i don't know how much that has to do with aretha franklin but that just reminds me of that like it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that i don't know i think it's such a tale of time i think i'm also just something maybe that's something that i psychoanalyze a lot in my life is how as a black woman i carry the weight of a lot of things and a lot of not like starting of trends but a little bit you know when I look at the whiteness that has been around me um and I think if we're talking about pop music it's the black girls who do it first and the black girls who know how to fucking do it 
because who knows how to live and go through life with the grace and the integrity and the strength more than a black woman. I don't know. Exactly. More, yeah, more, more, more than Aretha. Thank you, Aretha. Next up, we're in the 70s. And I would like to bring up as one of the icons and biggest influences on my life personally is Donna Summer. I think Donna Summer is, I don't know, she's it for me. I think she embodies such beauty and like oozes sex appeal in like, in such a fun way, you know, like she embodies this fantasy that I've always wanted to live. And I think she is that fantasy of the disco diva. She is the disco diva. She's literally the queen of disco. That's what she's known as. And I think Donna Summer is super important and super special because she brought sex appeal to the stage in such a fun way. She was, she was at the same rise as like Studio 54 and everyone loves that you know the party times all the fun stuff can I say about about Donna Summer because I find I like I want to hijack but I you guys are talking about such incredible people that I'm just like there's so many things that are so important about these women especially like on a historical standpoint and with Donna Summer I feel like on top of being this disco diva you know when you talk about black women and their involvement in electronic music first of all when you talk about black people and our involvement in electronic music and being like the creators of house music of techno of dance and all this type of stuff um the conversation between like black people and like like white Germans or like white people in Europe is like so interesting of like Kraftwerk or like uh Giorgio Moroder which like was Donna Summer's main collaborator collaborator excuse me and you know they were making like a lot of this music in like Munich and and I feel like there's just like there's so much power in the fact that like this woman was like I'm you know when you talk about a blueprint for people like Kalela or like twigs or like all of these black women and like electronic spaces donna is like the first of that in so many ways and i feel like that's also why she is so important it's just like damn like thank you for showing us that like this space is for us too exactly then like the whole style like the aesthetic to what joanna said about bringing sex appeal back like but she like encapsulated like i'd say like her Pam Greer like really ended up building that what we really think of as 1970s fashion and that's just another way in which like mm-hmm. those actions mo- yeah. those people move the culture like that music that vibe that time <laughs> I feel seen yeah you're like I feel seen oh no no listen no you you already you already picked the wall what I was putting down I was I was only gonna ask uh because like Y'all already know what my favorite Donna Summer song is. What one? What are one? What are yours? I'll I'll say mine. But what are yours? And like, when is like the perfect? Like, when do you? When are you most usually putting on Donna Summer? I have two. I'll say two. So I really love Bad Girls, just because I just I feel like I'm just the baddest girl when I listen to that song. Like you can just really stretch to that. Um, it's so good. And obviously, love to love you. Like it's literally. Love to Love You Baby, I think is the full title. But I, you know, speaking about samples and stuff, like I wasn't aware. Like I heard Beyonce's Naughty Girl before I heard Love to Love You Baby. And I remember hearing like 
you know, finding out that it was like originally this Donna Summer song and like hearing that. And I was like, oh, my God, like when you talk about sex appeal, when you talk about being like just like a sex icon and like and being comfortable in that and like doing that in the 70s and like moaning on a mic, (laughs) like, hello, like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Donna Summer, honestly. Like I piggybacking off that I can say some of my favorites um it's hard for me to pick because I think I listen to Donna Summer really often like I there's every few months there is at least one or two of her songs that is always playing and I think too also the reason that I love her so much is that she like her music is a fantasy she serves a fantasy especially I mean, for a time that I didn't live in and I just listened to it and I'm I'm literally feeling like I'm at the club, I'm at Studio 54 and I'm doing that. And it's like, you know, th- that escapism is something that I have always tied to her. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love her so much. Favorite songs. I, ha- I love Last Dance. I love Last Dance. I'm basic like that. I right now I can't stop listening to MacArthur Park that song like I will literally pick up a mic and like pretend to sing to because I'm like no I'm in the Donna Summer biopic no one can tell me otherwise but the song I'm going to play for everyone it ties into everything we've been talking about is I Feel Love and the reason that I think this is kind of the song to to show everyone is because it is said to be the song that changed pop music in the way that we um, interact with like electronic music and synths and stuff like that song had to go from an eight minute song to a 12 minute song because they were literally tearing it up so hard on the dance floor. And so if you really have to do a remix that's longer, that tells you that it's a great song. I can't even imagine what it must have been like, you know, you're like, mm, I feel love you with the boys on the dance floor for the first time hearing that. To hear electronic music in that sense for the first time must have been such a special and fun moment. Um, and so with that being said, here is I Feel Love by Donna Summer. That, that that song hit extra hard now that we're in a whole kung fu panda like i can't even no believe. not a kung fu panda <laughs> that's my not a panorama not a panoramic not a, not a whole not a whole panasonic though yeah uh like i i think i think i think and that's also the reason why i was very excited just to just to talk about not only like boss ladies in um in music but go through the 70s and 80s because that's all dance music and i've been i've I've gotten really back into disco like i said i've been listening to donna summers i've been really tapping into nigerian disco which is a whole conversation for another day um yo i want to hear that bro nigerian disco is yo it's it's that no cap yo it's so good but um the whole point is that i i'm listening to it and i'm like wow this is i'm listening to music you know in my bed like scrolling through pinterest 
music that I'm like you're supposed to be sweating to it's eight minutes long because like it's only one loop but like for that one loop you're like having the time of your life presumably on like lsd but like also maybe just expensive wine uh and i i wasn't i was like a moderate part party goer uh when when things were normal but i i'm wondering now do you this is a total digression but do you guys think you guys will go to more parties or less parties uh once we settle absolutely more you know the way I don't know the way I'm about to go to see so much live music more than I did before, even though I saw a lot of live music, I'm going to just, I mean, consuming other people's work in, and a lot of that is in party concert settings. Like that's something that I actively will be doing more is just consuming people's stuff in person so that they know that I care about it. No. Yeah. I told, I totally feel that. I feel, listen, at the end of the day, my part of part of my my what's that my tragic backstory about part of my villain backstory will be that the year i was supposed to see frank ocean at coachella for the first time um is when a global pandemic decided to 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 uh to happen yeah i feel like i'm gonna go to i've been thinking about this a lot honestly because i'm like is it gonna be more or less because we're so used to like being inside and i feel like this time has like taught me how to appreciate like my time alone or like spending time in whereas i used to be someone who like always had fomo and like needed to be everywhere so i hope that like maybe it allows me to choose wisely where i go but i will still be going a lot of places Since we're on the topic of the 70s, I would like to bring up someone who I have actually recently been put onto, and that is Betty Davis. Betty Davis was a funk master, funk queen, also fashion icon, pretty much. And no one talks about her because she was only active in the mid to late 70s. And then as our culture does, like the media kind of shoved her out of a place saying that she was not allowed because she was... You know, she was just making funk music. And and if we're talking about sex appeal, she was someone who was oozing it. You know, she has a song called like Nasty Gal. And it's just like, incredible. She was also married to Miles Davis. Um, She is set to be the person who like, made him get a little funkier because he was, you know, wearing all suits. And then he started he married her and he was like wearing a bunch of clashing patterns. Um, And I think Betty Davis, the reason I wanted to bring her up was that she is the queen of funk in my opinion and she's not talked about enough and she really fell off the face of the planet like she straight up disappeared like now she lives in like upstate new york and no one really knows what happened to her um but you know she was just the media like world kind of put her away it it happens it's pretty sad and she has some great amazing music um shout out like favorite songs they say i'm different nasty gal anti-love song or anti-love song i don't know Still don't know how to pronounce the Rihanna album. Um, and it's just, it's her just speaking her truth. And I, it's so like, just honest and being, and again, with the whole like Donna Summer moaning into a microphone, it's that, but with like a crazy guitar riff in the background. Um, and I, and she is Madonna before Madonna was Madonna. Because if we're looking at these great big white pop icons, it's important to see kind of the people that came before that, if there was something that came before that, if there was someone who paved that road, because the the truth of the matter is that there most likely was. And the, the percentage of it being a black person was pretty high. So shout out Betty Davis. They say I'm different. I love her for it. So thanks, Betty Davis. They say I'm different because I'm a piece of sugar cake. Sweet to the core. 
Like, who do you think, um, where do you think her, her lineage ended up now? Like, I remember, because you, uh, you put her, you put some of her songs into the playlist, I believe, the playlist that we have uh, in the show notes for this episode, so you guys can check out all the women that we're talking about, and like, just like, what was in our heads when we thought about powerful Black women making anthems, or like, just being on their ship. Uh, so I, I listened, I listened to, to a song, and I immediately thought, I was like, oh yeah, you know, it seems like a very, she walked so Rico Nasty could fly type of thing. Would you agree? Yeah, I didn't really think about those two together, but I, I think there is a connection for sure because I think Rico Nasty now just says whatever she wants and in a style that isn't really defined. Like she really does cross those barriers. Like this, like the way that she um, screams and uses her voice is I think something that's really, really cool. And I think that Betty Davis does have that quality, but also the fact that she's just like saying things like literal speaking out those words. No. Yeah. I didn't think about those two together, but now I know that I, yeah, I, I literally, I, <laughs> I literally I was stop. thinking about her only because I was like, really in the seventies is when that black punk movement really gets started. And nobody talks about that. People just like to pretend punk started with white people in Seattle in the nineties when like, there was like a really thriving, thriving, what we would really call grunge uh scene happening like in new york in in the in these inner cities and at the time because it's still built on that fundamental principle of the outcast like black women had a lot like there was a lot of input from from all genders from all from both men and women in uh sort of being on equal footing and and contributing to the to to the culture i'm glad you put me on her because i really did mess with that song uh and now i like i kind of want to she's gonna help me in the gym i'll say that like i feel i feel like she really be talking to me and I can't, I can't lose when she's on. So we can't talk about the 80s, guys, without talking about basically what pop music just became in the 80s, if we really want to be very honest with it, for, for, for a good amount of the decade. Um, Diana Ross. What can't you say about her? She's almost, I think she's like the model. She's really the model when you end up thinking about it. Uh, what we think of, of the diva, what we think of the the women who has it all in, in control. Uh, and I think... My favorite, my favorite part of Diana Ross's almost legacy, but I want to say mythology. Like it is the fact that like she has like a mythology, right? Uh, she was bigger. She was bigger than life in the same way that the women that we've talked about before, like sort of like told us, like created a world for for us to live in. But like uh, I feel like Diana Ross flipped it in and basically just she just she just told us, "I am the world. This is." This is this is me. And like I I'm I'm wonderful. And weirdly enough, not even weirdly enough, I think through that proclamation, it also gave so many people the the ability and like the feeling of that same confidence. Like you just you that energy just kind of bleeds onto you. Diana Ross said, It's my house and I live here. Okay. <laughs> and then I looked then I looked at my house, even though I was living with my parents, so I didn't own it. And then I heard it when I got my apartment which I also don't own, but I still said it's my house. I still believe in the illusion of ownership. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, she's incredible. She's, I feel like there's, I mean, there's so much you could say. Like, there, all of these women, I keep saying, I'm gushing because it's like, there's, she really is, you know, from the Supremes to her solo career to like her legacy to, 
you know, her acting career, everything is just like she's a superstar, like a blueprint in so many ways. Am I allowed to say my favorite Absolutely. song of hers? Of course. Before yes. we play, I love, I love Upside Down. Like that one is just like, and you just strut. It's just another shutting one. I feel like, you know, there's, there's something to be said about, you know, music that gives you a surge of self-confidence and that song and Diana Ross in general definitely does that for me. That's a Bob Fosfish anthem. <laughs> yes, <it> exactly. <laughs> I feel I feel like like she uh you know I'm interested I'm interested in in I guess listening to more the discovery of of Betty Davis and the other and uh Donna Summer more cuz I wasn't cuz I I grew up listening to more Diana Ross obviously, but I feel like most of her catalog is just it's just anthems. That's why she was so good. That's why she was the queen. Um, you could, you, you literally could just hit shuffle and just be like, yeah, it's about to be a bad bitch anthem. And I, and I think because that, that's why our conversation was a little shorter on Diana Ross. Cause like, she's still, the fact that she's still relevant, like <laughs> in like five years ago, didn't she like sing at her own uh, lifetime achievement awards for the Grammys, which is something. And it was like, I, I remember, I remember, I remember seeing that happen. And I was just like, wow, it's, you don't, often see somebody do something only they could do like she was like now nah, i'm gonna do this and everybody was like usually i say you're crazy but for you diana ross on brand just you have it uh so i will but so i want i want to leave you guys with, with 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 one of my favorite um diana ross songs uh it's it's my house So moving on and moving into the 90s, I'd love to highlight Janet Jackson, who is just a personal inspiration of mine. Um, she was also killing it in the 80s, to be fair. But um, I just want to talk about one, you know, she comes from royalty, right? Like you come from a family that's like on top everywhere. And to make a name for yourself in the way that she has managed to do in her career it's just so incredible. Like, I don't think people often realize how, how greatly she has shifted and shaped popular culture. And I feel like anytime I get a second to do so, I will praise her because, you know, she's a singer, she's a songwriter, she is a producer, she is a dancer, she is so much more and has all of this creative control and made sure to have that creative control, you know, starting with that album. Um, and we've just like seen, you know, the fruits of her labor in so many ways. So the song that I wanted to bring up. Oh, wait, do you guys want to talk about Janet before I like? I'm just <laughs> listening with passion. I don't know much about her. I know. I was I was I was like, I could. Joanna was not lying. I was like, I could listen to, I could listen to, you talk to Janet Jackson for a while. I don't know. I wasn't really with Janet Jackson. Like. Sadly enough, I didn't really grow up with a lot of her stuff, you know? I only really yeah. came to know her music, like, really relatively recently, or at least her influence relatively yeah. recently. And then I was like, oh, shit, you know? So I just love, like, I don't, I love learning about her because I don't, I just didn't grow up with that. And I'm, 
I'm in awe. I really am in awe, especially with the fact that she is a producer and had that creative control because I think to be able to have that is so much power and so much, and also not talked about enough, to be a woman in the pop culture business, especially in like the recording business Mm -hmm. and in the studios, like to be able to have that is something that is really not talked about enough. And she did it, so... It's not yeah. it's not talked about enough. Um, and when mm-hmm. I think when I think about the history of both artists and labels, um, I actually can't think of mm-hmm. I'm hard pressed to think of somebody earlier than Janet uh, mm-hmm. that had that had enough clout, basically had enough clout and then enough like business acumen or like desire to really have creative control to to really want to make sure she owned her masters or like knew like could really control her image instead of like letting the label control her image which i think is probably like an outgrowth mm-hmm. of like the way that she grew up with mm-hmm. like having to be with a label at first i think it's interesting all of our three perspectives on janet because to, to put mine in i feel like mm-hmm. it has partially to do with my parents being from nigeria and like not listening to music like american music all that much and then two them being a black man uh and then not yeah. having to encounter like we knew janet jackson was good but nobody's like yeah. pulling up to the court playing janet jackson even though now i'm just like there's some like bangers though that we could have we could have played but you know job was out back then some facts so uh the song the janet song that i wanted to play today picking a favorite is like a very difficult thing uh, I don't even know if I have a favorite, but the one I'm going to go into today is called Got Till It's Gone, which is featuring Q-Tip and Joni Mitchell. This one came out in 1997 with her album, The Velvet Rope, um, which was, I think, in a lot of ways, just like the blueprint for a lot of the genres that we listen to today. Um, the fact that they were incorporating R&B, trip hop alternative hip-hop and R&B together really is like the genesis of I think alternative R&B in the way that we hear it today. Um, The song was written by Janet, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Renee Elizondo Jr., as well as Joni Mitchell and Q-Tip, who we know from A Tribe Called Quest, and the song was produced by Janet, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis, which I like to call my holy trinity. Um, And the reason I wanted to bring this song up is because I think another thing to really talk about in the 90s and in hip hop and music in general is the importance of sampling and the fact that they took a sample from the 1970s from Joni Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi, which is like a song and an artist from the singer songwriter movement in the 70s and incorporating that into a song that brings in this like alternative R&B as well as hip hop and like bringing in a hip hop feature and the way that like everything just gets married together in this track, I feel like really sets the standard and like the precedent for artists that we listen to today, like Tyler, the creator who also sampled the song on his own album, like Flower Boy or like, you know, just there's so many people like a SZA or like there there are just so many examples that we can pull from. But I think it's just incredible to hear that, like, there's so many places that you can be inspired or so many things that can inspire you to make a single track. And that song just like speaks wonders. Also, really quickly, sorry, sampling being super important, as well as like the genre bending that I just mentioned. 
as well as her whisper singing. And, you know, we talk about whisper singing often. um, And I think that her role in that is so important, using your voice as an instrument in that way and knowing how to layer your voice in that way and knowing how to make it sensual and powerful all in the same breath. You know, we talk about artists like FK Twigs or like a Billie Eilish, like who really came before these people? Janet, you know, (laughs) like, and she had the pipes too. She has the pipes, she has the range, but like that whisper singing is really like that trope. I feel like we should talk about more, you know, from her. And yeah, just the fact that like you're hearing a rap feature on this like R&B song that like takes from Joni Mitchell is just like, it's insane. So yeah, got till it's gone. know that existed so holy shit like i'm gonna listen to that like yes oh also it also samples another song i feel bad i've talked about Joni more because i feel like it makes more sense but um got till it's got till it's gone also samples desiree's feel so high from 1991 you know speaking about samples again like it's just that song is a masterpiece everyone listen to it (laughs) um because i was gonna say with the early 2000s is kind of we we have here like this renaissance of independent black women in pop music um and not even talking about i mean obviously beyonce is so big and she is so you know she represents so much and is so much but talking about also carrie hilson mary j blige estelle all of these people who were just releasing these songs that like are especially since we were growing up at this time for me personally, they are like the soundtrack of my childhood. Like when I think of American Boy or like Pretty Girl Rock, like I, that shit was so, <laughs> yeah, like that, it was good. Like there was just, it was so much stuff happening like one after the other. And I think also if I'm talking about growing up in that, that is super important and super cool that that was just like what I was consuming every day. Like obviously I was consuming like, other shit like whatever I was listening to Justin Bieber whatever but the fact that I was like four years old and I was listening to the stuff in the background I didn't even realize how much it like affected me as a person I I was quickly just gonna go uh, like the just to say one more thing about the general sort of renaissance that happens in the early 2000s right of this explosion of that we just we kind of just figure out the like wow there's all these (laughs) wow there's millions of black girls who would love to see themselves up on like up on stage and like singing about them uh, so we 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 end up with 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 the Amaris, the Estelles, the Fantasias, the and like these are like good songs. And and to your point, Joanna, like yes, this is where the 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 majority of my development 
like occurs in the early uh 2000s so like i remember i was using limewire to listen to 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 all of these like just super i just feel like early 2000s r&b had one of the best love songs of the of the century so far alicia keys oh my god we haven't even brought up alicia keys yet like no one like you'll never see me again like oh my god falling i i think i think i have the black woman the, the black entertainer black female entertainers of the early 2000s to blame for like my penchant for like rom-coms and and most love songs because they're just also they just they were just also good especially the early 2000s rises above above them all and i'm sure it's what everybody wants us to talk about we gotta we, we gotta talk about queen b we gotta talk about beyonce Let's talk about Beyonce, though. And as a black man, I'm just, I'm just gonna, sh- and and as a partial Jay Z listener, I'm gonna just shut up for the rest of the podcast. Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. <laughs> I mean, there's so much, there's so much you could say, and I feel like what's so exciting about her is that like the narrative continues to unfold. Like that's what's so beautiful, and I feel like when you talk about icons that you grew up watching and that we're going to be talking to our kids about, and you know, we're going to, you know, you'll say like, I went to a Beyonce concert. You can be like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's, it's at another level. Like the way that she's operated since Destiny's Child, let's talk about Destiny's Child, you know, all of the members of Destiny's Child, Kelly, Michelle, even previous members, Latoya, Latavia, like, you know what I mean? It's just like their importance and just being a girl group that was killing it in that way. And and Beyonce being one of the main songwriters, one of the main producers since, you know, she was a teenager. Just like the trajectory of her career makes complete sense because it's always been about that autonomy. It's always been about that creativity. It's always been about being the best version of herself and always one-upping herself. And I feel like that is what's so inspiring about her with every single thing that she does, you're just like, oh my God. Um, and the, I feel like the album I want to talk about is B-Day specifically because, I mean, there's so many great things to say about her. Like I could go on for forever and I feel like she has so much to do with who I am today as a person, but also as an artist. And like, I'm just grateful to like be able to grow up watching her, or have grown up watching her. But B-Day, like, talk about being, like, 24, 25 years old and, like, stomping on everybody's fucking neck. Like, I mean, like, the arrangements on, like, the production, the backing vocals, the the lyricism, the vocals, the way that she brought in horns, the way that she just, like, like, she is, what I love about her is I feel like she's constantly a student also, and she constantly wants to learn and constantly wants to get better in that way. And you just hear it with like everything. Like off of that, I think something that makes what's so great to be able to watch someone as, you know, as they keep growing is that you see like their music move, yes. move with them. And I feel yeah. like we're see like in B-Day and like when she's in, I almost, sounds like I almost said B-Day. It's B-Day. Um, <laughs> and like Destiny Child's like, it's this young woman growing into herself and then like claiming all that she is. And then I'm even thinking about like even more recently, like her albums are so true to who she is and what she's going through. And to be able to have that autonomy and to be able to have that power to make that I think shines so through shines through so well with like all she has to do. Like 
I don't know. I remember listening to like Blue, like, you know, the song like Blue. And I was like, oh my God, like she's a mother. That's so beautiful. You know, like, I don't know. I think it's like, that's, you know, there's artists that you get to watch like their life be reflected so beautifully through their music. Yeah, that's a good And also point. her like performance wise, she's never gives a bad performance. I mean, I've never seen her live, but like even the things that are recorded, like, I mean, the Super Bowl that she right. did where people were like, it was such a big scandal because she just did what she wanted to do. Do you know? And like, she just has always been that person. And even like the Netflix documentary of her Coachella performance, like she is so respected because she, I don't know. She is that bitch. Like there, I don't even know what else to say other than that. Like, because it's just a part of who we are. I mean, she, yeah. she demands perfection and you see it, you know, like, I don't know if I've ever heard a song of hers yeah. and been like, mm. you know, like I've never been like, Oh, this song skip. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Not with her. I think the reason why people, I think the reason why people don't, I mean, and this is wild to say, but I just feel like people don't actually like uh, enunciate and like really eloquate exactly why Beyonce might be one of one of not sorry the most talented entertainer, not musician. Not I mean she can't really act, but like entertain. She's so good at everything else that I can even say top five entertainer of the past thirty years. That's all her on those harmonies. That's all her with the arranging. That's all her with the merch. That's all her with with with, with, with the concept after. And I'm gonna, and I want to get back to the great point Muriel had about like B Day, like to to come off the starting block on next like that. I'm gonna get to it in a second. But the the her debut was oh, dangerously sorry. in love. B Day was one yeah. right after, right? Was the right, yeah right. sophomore album, which is usually dangerously in love is an incredible album. I love that album so much, but I think the sophomore album is always so difficult when you come out the jump out the woodwork so like crazy like that. Um, and she delivered with that. I mean, she's delivered with every single project. I really feel like there's just importance with every single thing the way that she has built herself up. Like upgrade you was on um, B Day, right? B-Day. Okay, good. That's all. That's that's all I need for my point. Uh, because that's. Beyonce's growth has been actual growth in which like I think what and what most of these what I think what most of these um pop stars that we've talked about today why they're different from our conventional uh pop stars besides their skin color uh is is because I think because of their innate outcast uh position like towards the industry they're like when they're good it's because they like have to be good there's not like you don't talk about many like none of these people are really industry plants even though like I don't like talking about industry plans, I don't I, I don't like that term. But like they they're they're not people you don't get to be at their level, they don't get to their level by a manager like perfecting their image. It's because like they have the vision and they they like will it and they make everybody else un- understand it. And I think about that when I think about upgrade you, because those horns on upgrade you, I remember I was listening to a podcast that was talking about it, and they were like, those horns basically and I, there was co-production on it by The Dream, but I forgot who did the main production of Upgrade You. Basically invented that 2000s R&B sound, big band sound, for the for for the next ten years. But that but that 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 video in the early 2000s for me really showed her dominance because I, I I was rewatching it uh, earlier last week because I was helping uh, uh, I'm helping a friend play in a music video and we were just looking for inspiration and I was like wow even back then that's like 07, 06 or something. She was still like she was already the queen, like 
she had like Jay-Z's there and like it is one of the better Jay-Z verses in like the catalog for sure. But even that scene when like she's rapping as Jay and they're switching in and out, like the the all the all boy band behind her, how she's like drenched in gold, the iconography is elite. Uh and I think that it's, it's the setup. It's the setup. Right. And that's really for me what, what ends up making that's what I want people to say that more instead of like Beyonce is just great because she's perfect. No, she's perfect because she works so fucking hard. Uh, and like the brand is so consistent. The execution is perfect and like not perfect on the first try. It's it, which like I feel like I've argued with this with uh, with Joanna before or at least my friend Zawadi because listen, my favorite album is four and apparently four is the one nobody likes. I like four. I feel like four was a good album. Let me say something really quickly. <laughs> Because people, don't get me started on four, but get me started on four really quickly. Like, four is so important. I love four. Four, I think, is one of her most important projects. I'm going to tell you why. During that time, radio was David Guetta. It was all the EDM. It was, and no knock to David Guetta. You know, he did the damn thing. But it was that. And, And all of her counterparts of the early 2000s, I feel like, moved towards that. And I think that's where we lost a lot of people. Like a lot of, you know, and I'm not even just talking about the women, you know, I'm also talking about like everybody like really was trying to like keep up with radio and keep up with what was hot. And she sat there, not only did she say, I'm going to bring in all these horns, I'm going to bring in all this live instrumentation. She also started her own company when before releasing four. So that's when Parkwood Entertainment was formed. And that's where she took control. And she was like, she fired her father as a manager. She began managing herself. She decided to go against radio and she was owning all of her masters. So I'm like, the fact that she literally said, fuck all of you and still carried the game. Like, I'm like, that's, that's, mm, that album is literally, I feel like where she became who we know her as today. Like she was always good. She was always incredible. We always knew she was great, but the way, what solidified her as an icon to me was that album. And then moving into self-titled of like no promo, cold drop, like that's why she could do shit like that. Because it was like, I've set myself up to be able to do this. And then like what we've seen following. Picture this, it's like 2008 slash until 2012 and it's Rihanna and she's dropping a new album fucking every year. The reason why I wanted to bring in Rihanna into this episode. Yeah. Literally every year, every year. Um, which is why I forgive her for not. Really I love that. Her. You brought that up. I love that. You brought that up. People forget that she was in this shit like, no, okay. all the time. That's why I'm like, if she's not going to put out an album for five years, whatever, she gave us one every single year. Like I'm going to leave her alone. Um, since like 2000, Six, 2005 she was releasing one every single year up until Literally. 2000 her biggest break was 2012 to 2016 and then 2016 until whenever but the reason I wanted to talk about Rihanna was personally Rihanna has been the biggest influence for me I think as a person and I've noticed every time I interview someone for Mix Mag and I say who is one of your biggest influences almost every single person says Rihanna and I think one of those reasons is of course, Rihanna embodies incredible music. And she is, I don't know, she is the bad. She is one of the baddest. She has been. She has been doing that since like, you know, Good Girl Gone Bad, like Disturbia, 
umbrella like ponder replay up until like snm rated r like there's so much talk that talk every album she is delivering that type of anthem but as we move into the 2010s i think rihanna's super important and a boss for really creating her own empire and being someone who just kind of raised the bar for so many people i mean she literally changed the fashion the lingerie industry and she straight up changed the beauty industry because people were not putting out, other than Pat McGrath, shout out Pat McGrath, were not putting out makeup for women of color up until Rihanna did it. And they were, and Victoria's Secret was running lingerie. And Iman. And Iman. Iman. Mm. Shout out Iman. Did not know that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for the correction. And lingerie, Victoria's Secret was running shit with, you know, not doing much on inclusivity. And Rihanna literally flipped that coin and said, shut up and just did it completely differently while still staying so true to who she was. And all of the embodiment of her music comes through in her clothes and her lingerie. Like the fact that her, like her fashion show was with all of her dancers doing crazy choreography and the, it, it doesn't even move the body. I think that she, her, she would not be who she is if she did what didn't have the music career that she did. She was one of the first concerts I saw. I saw it with my mom, ASAP Rocky opened and it was like the diamonds world tour. And that completely changed my life. I was like, Oh my God, like it's Rihanna. And I don't know. Anyone else have anything to say about Rihanna? Like I'll literally just never shut up. Rihanna is not only Rihanna is not only a talented singer, songwriter, but also a performer. And people in the industry talk about this constantly, where you'll bring Rihanna your song. She she's very vocal about her 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 co-writer co-writers. She puts them on, she promotes them. But it's like I couldn't. I wrote the words, but then Rihanna started singing them, and it was a completely different song. And I think that's. That's something you can't teach, or that's something that's like super special in her in her real X factor. But because of that, it made me like when I go back to like love the way you lie, umbrella, just like old old joints. I'm like, yo, she has hits for hours. You could just keep shuffling, and like I don't mean like good songs, right? They're all they're all they're all good songs, but like you'd be like, wow, this is just a hit. This was just these are just four minute rides all the way through like you listen to every song I'm like oh yeah that was the song people listen to for like four months in a row or like two years in a row in some cases love song Rihanna put on future like it's crazy I love Rihanna too I, I'll, yes. I'll say that I could I mean I could go on for hours about about Robin Rihanna Fenty like I could go on for hours about how she literally has shown me personally and I think shown a lot of people that the sky is actually the limit like in terms of what you can achieve and what you can and how creative you can get you know like how creative you can get with your self-expression and how you know she's used her platform in such an incredible way and you know we're talking about bad bitches she is the bad gal you hear bad gal you think Riri like there's it's just like the direct correlation right there is like it's so incredible. Like she encourages so many people to be themselves unapologetically quoting one of her albums. You know what I mean? It's like, it's always been that for her. She, she pushes the limit, you know, with style, with music, with, with so many things, even like her personality. Like we love her so much. I feel I'm obviously, I don't know her personally, but like just, she's so grounded in who she is. 
she's not going to take any bullshit from anybody. And I feel like having that visual growing up and like seeing her like has encouraged me and inspired me to just do the same. And I feel like that's so amazing. All of that exists within her music as well as like everything that she puts her finger on. That ties in perfectly with what I want to talk about next. Muriel, I think you embody bad bitch music. I think you embody what it is to be a strong black woman in pop music. You always like ever since I first met you and was listening to your music and seeing you perform like you really do it and you have and I respect you so much on so many levels, Um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to talk about this because I like I am like I see all of these people, all these amazing women, and I see them passing the torch to you and also seeing how people react to your music and how they feel about your work um, as just a bystander has been something to is really wonderful. And it means a lot to, to be able to have you here and to be able to just watch you grow and grow and it's going to keep going and everyone's going to be like yo I listen to Muriel like bro like oh you know that song like it's going to be that (laughs) oh thank you so much how do you approach making music wow how do I approach making music I thank you for asking that I feel like it's changed a lot um I feel like I used to approach music at a time where like I've been making music for a while um and I used to come to it you know in a way of like recognizing that music is storytelling, but I would so rarely choose to tell my own story. Like I was so bad at like tapping into who I was and what I wanted to say. I don't know if it was because I didn't have much to say yet or I hadn't experienced things yet or whatever it was. I feel like when I was younger, like in my teens, like you're just writing, you're just like learning like the, you know, you're like riding a bike with the training wheels on it. Um, And I actually had a professor and I had a mentor tell me once, you know, I like let slip that I thought like vulnerability was a weakness. I was afraid of being vulnerable. And she said, vulnerability is an incredible strength. In fact, like it's probably one of the like ways in which you can be the strongest is to be vulnerable. And I feel like that is now my approach, right? I try to put that at the forefront. And I feel like when you use the word vulnerable or vulnerability, there's always the assumption that it's like sad or blah, 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 whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like vulnerability has everything to do with being yourself in a place where people could judge you, which is the world, which is literally every day, right? And and being all the versions of yourself of yourself that you are choosing to highlight in a given moment right so bad bitch music could be you know one two three four how many niggas can i score bad bitch music could also be i miss loving on you like i regret like ending this situation you know what i'm saying because it's like at the end of the day you're just being honest and i feel like you know (laughs) honesty stretches and expands across a lot of different emotions. And as long as you are being true to those emotions and whatever emotions you're feeling in a given moment when you approach your art, you are being a bad bitch. I love that. I I love I love being I love being a bad bitch is, is being vulnerable. That 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 that's the tweet. No, vulnerable I wrote that in the yeah. fucking chat. I was like, vulnerability is strength. And I'm 
I also have seen that trajectory in your music. Um, I think that your yeah. latest EP, um, Cancer Moon, Moonchild, is your most, in my opinion, your most vulnerable work because it comes from such a raw place. Um, I think like, you know, there it, there's the like bangers and then like ballads, there is a fine line between them. And that comes from honesty and strength and being able to st- tell your story and people to be able to listen to that and to feel it like it doesn't need to own. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to just be a dance beat. Like the difference between like Donna Summer and like Lauren Hill, you know, like, but they're still in the same canon of like powerful women who are giving us the strength to, I don't know, to like hear our own stories and to feel something like, because it's not always that people are giving us like us as in black women, as in black people, as in people of color, marginalized people like that space. Um, and which is why music and pop music is so important. I, you know, to Joanna's point, Cancer Moonchild is a mixtape that I released over the summer that had a lot to do with me being very vulnerable or the most vulnerable that I'd ever been with myself, as well as the most vulnerable I'd ever been with um, a significant other. And it taught me a lot. And, you know, when I sat down to write and produce it, I was like, I just need to be as honest as possible. Um, And, you know, my why as to writing the whole project and this song specifically had everything to do with catharsis. And that's how I like to look at music um, is that it's very cathartic to make and it is also very cathartic to experience. Um, And so like, and that also ties in with bad bitchness, I think. (laughs) Not me making a word, bad bitchness. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. This song is called So Much. Dramatic to call it grief, I know. But it left me sick. Had so much potential. I'm too scared to let go of it. Call you my twin when you bugging. Felt like I saw my reflection in you. All the good and the bad and the ugly. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please uh, go on mixmag.co and read our latest issue. Thank you so much to Muriel for joining us. Go stream on buy her music, you know, buy her music. It's important to buy people's music, guys. Don't just stream it. Um, Go watch her music videos on YouTube. The visuals go crazy. Go read her feature and issue something of Mixed Mag. Um, <laughs> there's a lot there. Thank you for joining us. Drop your socials. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Instagram at M-U-R-I period E-L-L-E underscore underscore. You can also find me on Twitter, M-U-R-I-E-L-L-E underscore underscore underscore. You can find me on TikTok. Do they do that now? (laughs) At M-U-R-I period E-L-L-E underscore underscore. Thanks again. This has been so lovely and so much fun. Please follow MixMag on Instagram at MixMag. Thank you guys, and we made you a mixtape.